this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Unsympathetic intellects slowly and surely drew their plans against us. It is Foreign Invader with Conrado Falco III. Hello and welcome to Foreign Invader. I am Conrado Falco III and this is the show about the pop culture that is corrupting American life. Every episode we talk about one piece of culture that originated in not the United States of America and talk about its impact on this precious country of ours. I want to thank Sach the Wade again for coming on the show last week. We had a fantastic conversation about British pop star Charlie XCX. It was all about how more people should be heralding her as one of the great pop artists of our time. So if you aren't doing that already, then I recommend you listen to the last week's episode. This week, however, we are back to Nerdland. This time, we are talking about the social simulation video game series known as Animal Crossing. It's a game developed by Nintendo in which you live in an island with a bunch of animal villagers and you like build houses and stuff. As you can see, I know very little about this, so I have brought someone who knows way, way more. One might even call him an expert. You might know him for playing Skippy on the hit web series Wormholes, which is available on YouTube and Instagram at wormholes.tv. You might recognize him for being a fantastic playwright, and if you don't, then check out his new play exchange or something. Most importantly, for this conversation, though, is he is the voice behind the videos of EJ Plays, a YouTube channel all about, you guessed it, Animal Crossing. Dear listeners, it's EJ Mian. Hello. What an intro. Also, can I just say that I agree that Charlie XCX deserves way more recognition than she gets. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad to hear this. This is fantastic. I'm excited to hear Sajda confirm my opinion. Yes, yes. That's my favorite kind of thing to listen to. We had a great episode, if I do say so myself, and we played some of her tracks. It was fun. Oh, so She's so good. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Um, thanks for being on the show, first of all. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love talking about Animal Crossing, so this is... This is really fun for me and exciting. <laughs> Fantastic. So, EJ, this is a show about cultures coming in contact, sometimes clashing with each other. So I like to start by talking with the guests about where they're from. My intel tells me you're from Baltimore, Maryland area. And my question is, is it like The Wire? Uh, no, not really. Well, at least where I'm from. I'm from the suburbs between like Baltimore and DC. So um, it's this town called Laurel. Uh, it's a pretty big, it's not a town, it's more of like a city. Um, but yeah, it's like suburbs. It's this, it's that weird kind of like suburb sprawl thing where there's just like a, it's just an endless string of neighborhoods attached together. <laughs> and like, there's like a grocery store as like the town center and like that's it and we go to the mall like that's the fun thing but yeah it's it's just like a very um i guess like american suburb i would say like it's pretty quintessential american suburbs <laughs> oh okay great that's great for this um, yeah for this show and this is what we love um my only conception of that area is the wire and um john waters <laughs> so <laughs> i mean both big cultural exports uh, from Baltimore. 
Um, and we definitely, you know, we love them, I guess. I'm going to speak for everyone from that area and say, yeah. I think, like, I also, it's a weird area because it's halfway in between. Because it's, like, you know, sharing these two cities. Um, you know, we have <laughs> American football, right? We have the Washington football team. And then we have the Baltimore Ravens. And uh-huh. the, we are, like, it's funny because, like, my school and, like, where I lived was 45 minutes from, like, both cities. So, like, there was warring factions of, like, those two teams. And it's like, ooh, which team do you like? Well, I like this one. We're going to fight. So, it's like, an, yeah, it's like an interesting suburb area. But also, like, the conflict area. Do you identify with one city more than the other? That's a good question. I think growing up, I definitely identified a lot more with Baltimore, um, because that was like, I would go to Orioles. That's the, the baseball team is the Orioles. We would go to Orioles games. Um, like that was where you went and we would go to the inner Harbor, which is like this kind of, it's a Harbor and it's like a nice, like outdoor <laughs> place. There's like a few museums around there. Like Baltimore was definitely the city I went to a lot more than I went to DC. But actually as I got mm-hmm. older, I started going to these to DC more. And I think that's more just because um dc as a city i think has more uh, things that would appeal to like an adult than baltimore or than like it doesn't have as many kid things is what i'm trying to say hmm, okay okay but yeah so i think i definitely identified more with baltimore growing up and now that i've grown that i've moved away i think i really identify with like both of them in like a weird way <laughs> both of them and neither of them i realized that I, i'm like i'm not actually from baltimore I'm from Laurel. That sounds <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty accurate for someone who's born in the middle of two big cities. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm not actually from either of these cities. I'm just from the suburbs in between them. <laughs> so this show is all about stereotyping people and their cultures and then maybe deconstructing those stereotypes. So would you say there's a stereotype about what a person from I guess Maryland, but also maybe Baltimore, maybe DC mm-hmm. is like? Uh, yes. I mean, one thing about us, it's fun. It's like, I kind of, I'm like, maybe this isn't a stereotype because it's true. Is that everyone in Maryland's like obsessed with crabs. Like Maryland blue crabs are like a thing and everyone loves them. I don't know if you know this, but like that, like it's our thing. And I've got to say it's really good crabs. And like, like, I'm probably biased (laughs) because I grew up there. Um, But like, when I come back home, when I go back to Maryland, like I always get like a crab cake or something because it is so good. Um, and we also like mm. love Old Bay seasoning. Uh, you put that on everything. Like Old Bay, we have crab chips. It's like Utz chips with um, Old Bay seasoning on top. It's so good. So I think like love our crabs and love our flag. Oh, yeah. We've had the flag conversation <laughs> before. The Maryland flag is a very handsome flag. It's iconic. I mean, I think it's like it's a lot and it's definitely like a divisive flag. You either love it or you hate it. But like people from Maryland love our flag. I love our flag. Yeah, it is a lot. But but in a good way, <laughs> I think I like I like how chaotic yeah, it is in its right? own way. It's just it's yeah. a lot going on. And I think I've heard the crap thing before, but now I'm thinking that I heard it from you. That's probably, so, yeah. <laughs> but I, I empathize with that very much. Because um, uh, where I'm from in Peru, people are obsessed with food in general. And they are mm. obsessed with the fact that Peruvian food is delicious and it's the best. So 
Um, whenever someone not from Peru goes to Peru, everyone's like, did you try the food yet? What do you think of the food? Isn't the food great? <laughs> That's you know, very when much... When was there, uh-huh. every cab driver would ask her about the food whenever she got in the cab. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I think that's, that's definitely like... I mean, food is like such a thing for people's cultures to go around. And that's definitely like whenever people are like, oh yeah, I went to Maryland. I'm like, well, did you eat crabs? Because the crabs are good. And it's like a competitive thing. <laughs> Now I want to go and eat some crab. Definitely. But what about, is there anything, so, okay, so people from Maryland love their crab. Yeah. Is there anything else in terms of, like, temperament or, or anything like that? Um, I mean, it's a it's a blue state, for one thing. Like, that's definitely part of it. I think it tends to be, like, liberal. I'm not going to say it's progressive, but, like, it's, you know, it's liberal. We, we vote Democrat. Um, although we have a Republican governor right now, but... Um, I think like temperament wise, people are very, I think this is a product of the suburbs as well, but I've noticed that there isn't necessarily a huge form of like community, if that makes sense. Hmm. Like I definitely knew my neighbors and things, but the people who I was like friends with were all based around my school. It wasn't necessarily around my neighborhood if that makes sense. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And another thing also that I think is that I've realized is different about where I came from is that we are so based around our county. Like I'm from Howard County and that's like a whole thing, right? Like I'm from Howard County and next door to me is Montgomery County. And that's completely different. And mm-hmm. like the counties themselves kind of become almost like mini states of like <laughs> each thing. It's really interesting because in Jersey, I feel like, and in other places I've been to, it's all about the town. It's like the township, but for us, it's the county. Like I identify really heavily mm. with Howard County. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's not necessarily a temperament thing, but you know. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like maybe I don't want to like Do psychoanalyze it. your state or anything like Do that. Do it, but. Um, I think that maybe the fact that that it's hard to pinpoint what is different about Maryland makes these um, distinctions, you know, like you've been talking about the difference between D.C. and Baltimore and and these different counties and all all that stuff, you know. So, like, maybe there's like this urge to differentiate yourself somehow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that it, it also is just like. I mean, part of the reason I wanted to move is it's just kind of like a nondescript part of the world. It was really great to grow up there. I really liked growing up there. But, like, whenever I go home now as, like, a 26-year-old, it's just, it's boring. I'm like, okay, what am I... This This leads perfectly into my next question, which is, what would you say was the most American thing about your childhood? Ooh, that's a great question. (laughs) What was the most American thing? Um, Fourth of July was a huge thing. Like that was like a huge holiday. I I don't know, I I don't know why, but it, that was like a. I think the holidays that we observed were very like American focused. The like the big ones for me growing up were Thanksgiving for sure was a huge one, which is obviously like you know only celebrated in the U.S. Um, and then the Fourth of July was like a huge one as well. Um, so I'm gonna say that like those two things were the big American thing, like because you know you always would go to Old Navy and get your Old Navy American flag shirt. Um, before like you go to the 4th of July celebration. And when I was in high school, like we, uh, my friends were in the marching band and they like were pulled. There was like a parade through someone's neighborhood 
for Fourth of July, and they were pulled on like a little trailer, and they would like play America songs on their instruments. <laughs> America song. Yeah. So I was gonna ask, yeah, what were the celebrations like barbecues and that kind of thing, or was it more specifically American patriotic stuff? Um, I think it was definitely more like barbecues. It was just like an excuse to go hang out at someone's house, like have a cookout. If someone had a pool, even better. Like, great, we're gonna go in the pool. Um, you know, I think it was much more that there wasn't this. It wasn't like I was sitting there being like, yeah, love America. I did that ironically. I think like gaudy Americana <laughs> is something that like appeals to me as a person just because I think it's kind of tacky and I like kind of like it like because of that. <laughs> so like I have an American flag onesie, but it's not because I love America. It's because I'm like, this is so tacky. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, So tell me, EJ, how does an all-American boy such as yourself <laughs> get into Animal Crossing? Uh, um, so I got into it because, uh, so I had a babysitter at the time. Her name was Valerie, and she actually got into it. She found the game, and she liked it. Um, and we were, I mean, I was like, I played video games when I was growing up. Like, we had, like, an N64, and then we got, like, a GameCube. And Animal Crossing first came out in the U.S. on the GameCube. And so my nanny was just like, hey, like, look at this place. Look at this game. Like, this is so cool. And she showed it to us. I think we, like, went to her house or something. And she, like, showed it to us. And we were obsessed with it. And me and my sister is who we is. Um, and, like, then we, like, told our mom about it. And my mom was like, okay, well, get it, I guess. And so we got it. And then we just, like, started playing it. And I was, I mean, I was obsessed with that game. I played it so much. Are you a gamer otherwise? Do you play a lot of video games in general? Um, So, like, yes, but I think... <laughs> if you, I don't know that I would describe myself as a gamer because I don't think I play the games that self-described gamers play, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, I don't play Call of Duty or, like, I was never... I was awful at Halo and all of those, but, like, Smat, like Super Smash Bros., love that. Zelda, love her. Mario Kart. You're a Nintendo gamer. I'm a Nintendo gamer. I've heard I've heard that distinction being made before. Yeah, it's like it's like a thing. What does that mean? Like it, you like you're a more casual gamer or like Yeah, I think it's probably more casual. And also like I mean Nintendo games just tend to be a little bit more lighthearted and like quote unquote family oriented and things. Mm. Um, you know, there's not a lot of like blood and guts and stuff in that. Um and it's just like I think they're more for me. They're more fun, and they're they're a lot less uh, intense in some ways. Not less difficult, but just like less intense. There's not like I'm not like oh I'm gonna shoot these people and and, and kill them. It's just like <laughs> right. all right, I've got to save the princess from this castle. Yeah, I, I mean I love the Nintendo games that I have played. I'm not a huge gamer, but I have zero almost. Before this episode, I had never played Animal Crossing, not even a single second. Did you play life, any so. before to prepare? Yeah, I did in preparation. Oh my for gosh! This. Yeah, I'm so interested to hear about that. Well, I don't think it's going to be very exciting <laughs> to be honest. You're like, well, I walked around um, and I caught a bug. 
Uh, that was pretty, yep, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's Animal Crossing, right? It's a weird kind of like simulation game where you're crossing with animals. Yeah, well, keep going because my next question is what is Animal Crossing? Great, okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's so for one thing, the general details are going to change from version to version, but like the general idea of it is like you move to a place populated by animals and you become friends with them, you catch bugs, you catch fish, you make relationships, you pay off your loans to get a bigger house, you buy furniture, and you just kind of like, it's like, it, it's very, um, I think it scratches the same, a similar itch to like what the Sims mm. like kind of scratches. It's just like, it's a life sim game. So it's just, it's kind of like fun, it's chill. It happens in real time with you. So like, if I were to boot up my game, I mean, I, I time travel, quote unquote, is what they call it. But like, if I were to, and I was playing it right, um, if I opened up the game, it would be like Tuesday. It would be today. It would be current real time. And it's winter in the game. Right. I, I, I saw that, that like the seasons change and it keeps a calendar. Yeah. Seems to be like one of the big features of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, there's holidays that you can do there. I mean... As the game, so this is interesting, this is probably relevant to this conversation because as the game has actually gone on, I feel like the holidays themselves have become more Americanized. Oh. Um, and they've incorporated more like, or not even Americanized, but just like more like Westernized holidays and things like that. Mm -hmm. And what what happens when you, when you get a holiday? Like you get special items or like special <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> things that you can build yeah. yeah um i mean it's so there's in all the games there's always been like a special holiday furniture set um oh. <laughs> which is like the big exciting thing a big part of this is your home and like decorating your home that's definitely like part of it it's definitely like a collecting game so getting like these mm. new limited edition things is definitely like incentive there's usually just like an event happening for the holidays there's like I'll give you an example from this current game. Uh, there, it's like Turkey Day, which is Thanksgiving. Um, it's like you go and get ingredients and they're having a feast and you have to get these like ingredients from around town, bring them in, and then they cook a special meal. You get a special DIY or a special furniture item or something. And they're mm -hmm. all limited edition. It's very exciting. So you cook a, a turkey? No, the tur a turkey's actually cooking it. In previous games, they were trying to catch a turkey. Right. That's what I was going to say, because everyone's an animal. <laughs> it was darker, actually, in previous games. Now he's like, he's a world-class chef. But in the past, he was you would find him around your island hiding because people were trying to find him to eat him. Wow. Which is like, yeah, it's a little disturbing implications. I kind of like that, though. Right? I like that dark edge. It's definitely... It's, so it's become a lot more... It's been like it's all of its rough edges have been smoothed down as it's gone on, and like this is like definitely hmm. the nicest version of the game. Oh, interesting, interesting. Which some could say to the detriment, and I think I kind of agree with that. Oh, okay. We'll get into that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um. So from what I learned, one of the creators of Animal Crossing is this guy Katsuya Eguchi, mm -hmm. and he uh, apparently created the game when he moved to Kyoto to work at Nintendo. And felt very lonely. Yeah. So it seems like it's kind of perfect then for kind of like a quarantine lockdown experience. Yeah. And that's the time when EJ Plays came out. Yes, that's and true. And you started doing the videos. So are those things connected? I think definitely. I mean, just in terms of, I mean, my interest in the game has always been there. 
I've always been interested in the game. I think it became super popular because it's like perfect for quarantine. It's perfect for lockdown um, because it's a game that you can just spend hours doing and it's very like relaxing. You know, you're just running around like catching bugs and stuff. Um, and it's also a game that you can get super invested in and you can do spend you can drop like a thousand hours into this game and people have like mm -hmm. I almost have a thousand hours in this game. <laughs> so <Right>. like <laughs> I think it definitely is perfect for quarantine. And I think there's also a social element to it too, right? Because you can visit other people's islands, you can show it off to people. Um you like take you can take pictures of your island and what you've made and share it on the internet. So it's like very they were conscious of, I think, the social element of the game. Um, and, like, they, it's been really good for Animal Crossing, I think, just for quarantine as well. So that's something that I find really exciting about the game, at least in theory, is the idea that it's not a game that you are done playing at some point. Like, it just keeps mm -hmm. going. Um, you know, you don't beat the bad guy and then it's over. You have played the game. Um, right. But, so... Let's get into it. I tried playing it. Yes, talk to and me. And you, in your videos, your EJ Plays videos, you do incredible stuff. And they're so much fun. And you're you. hilarious in your narration. <laughs> they're fun to watch even if you don't play Animal Crossing. Because I have seen some and I've had a great time. Oh, good. Great. Everyone go subscribe. <clears throat> yes. And there will be a link plug, plug, plug. a link in the description <laughs> to subscribe to, to YouTube uh, EJ Plays. You definitely should if you're at all interested in Animal Crossing or not. Just watch the videos and you'll have a good time but back to me and my experience yeah let's talk about you um i it, exactly what you said before is what happened i just walked around i had no idea what to do um and and i just couldn't understand like how how do you do you need to like put in the hours so that you then start to get to do fun stuff or like also how do you even know what to do i had no idea <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. This is and like what you're saying is not this is not the first time I've heard this at all. I'm not surprised. Um I think so I think that like part of it is that there is a grind at the beginning of the game. You definitely have to like grind to get up to a certain thing. One one of the huge things with this game is like terraforming. Being able to build cliffs and water and river wherever you want them to be. That's like a huge mechanic that has never been in the games before. Um, and at least for me, has been part of the reason why this version of the game has lasted so long, so much longer than the other games. What do you mean by last? Well, I think like in the previous games, once you got done like with a year of playing, like that was it. Like you were like, okay, well, there's not nothing else. You know, I've seen all the the holidays. I've seen all these things. You probably collected all the like you've collected all the fish from the year, maybe all the bugs, you know. You've gotten through all the content if you've played like for 20 minutes every other day throughout a year. Whereas okay. with this one, because there's more of a creation element, because you can like put down furniture and make areas on your island that are like created, that for me is a lot more exciting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the game has had more staying power for me because now I'm not actually playing a lot of the things that like were even in the game earlier in like earlier iterations i'm not like playing to catch the bugs anymore i'm playing to like make cool stuff mm -hmm. um and i think that like that f is difficult to get to when you first start out because you have to get to a certain point in the game to even unlock terraforming to be able to actually make these like 
Zelda-inspired islands or, like, you know, a city island and all this crazy stuff that people make. Yeah, I agree with you. Those islands look amazing, and I couldn't do any of that. I was going to the game ready to be like, okay, I'm going to be designing and, like, you know, Mm -hmm. building my house. And then uh, I was just running around digging holes. Yeah. No, I think the beginning of the game is, like, way different from what it's actually turned out as, like, the thing that people are excited about the game. Mm Mm-hmm. And I actually, so I recently started a new island. I restarted a game. Um, and it was interesting for me to like experience the beginning of the, the early game again. Now being at a point where I'm like, cool, I'm not excited by any of this anymore. And I just want to get to the thing that like, I want to get the terraforming. I want to get right. three stars so I can get terraforming and start making stuff. It's like interesting because there is like an element of grind. And I think the thing that people are excited by in Animal Crossing is the terraforming and is the creation and it's not what you get when you first get it because you're the 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 goal behind this one is that you're going to a deserted island and you're going to make it into a an inhabited uh paradise and people are going to love it love living there and stuff and i hear that that's something new to the game the idea of the desert island yeah i mean in the previous game you always you basically always move to a town that already existed it wasn't as developed as it could be for sure, but it was all, like there were already people living there. There was like, you know, on the first original GameCube game, you moved there and there were seven villagers there already. There were seven villagers, a post office, a train station, a, like a store, all this. You were very much moving into a new place and like people already lived here and you were just like the new person in town. Mm-hmm. Um And so it was really more about, like, integrating yourself with the community. And then there was, like, some growing of your town or whatever. Um, You know, more people would move. In later games, it started to become, like, okay, we're going to put more bridges now. And we're going to put more inclines and stuff. (laughs) And then, like, you know, expand things. You would expand your house, but you wouldn't expand the island as much. Um, and I think people like people really grabbed uh, grabbed on to the creation parts of it, the designing the house, the expanding your house, and those kind of things. Um, and so I think with this iteration, they really were just like, okay, cool, we're going to take those and like push it to the nth degree. It, and to be fair, in the most recent one before this, which was New Leaf on the Nintendo 3DS, there was an element of like. You could do these. You were like the mayor of the town. Mm. You moved in and you were the new mayor of this town, which, by the way, is not a good political process. You shouldn't just get someone moving into your town and becoming your mayor. <laughs> That's like not how it should yeah, work. Yeah, sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> it's it's a very bad idea. But like that was the idea behind the game. And so and like you there was like you were building you were You were expanding your town or whatever. Um, but this game it's funny because i remember watching the trailer and seeing someone put furniture down outside and i literally was like at work and i was like you can put furniture outside i see so all bets are off for this game you can just do whatever it was completely new it was like so like that is a completely new thing and it's very exciting Great. So I heard someone i read in a review actually someone said that this was the first Animal Crossing game that made them feel in control. And that made me think of the whole, like, Mm -hmm. quarantine thing. Or, like, something like, you know, you're, like, I guess you're molding your island in whatever way you want at a time when it feels like it's... You don't have control in the world around you. Yeah, exactly. So you can control this little tiny world. There might be something there, yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. Um, yeah, this is like way more in terms of developing the game. This is like a way more controlled by the player game. Whereas in previous games, it was very much like you, things happen to you. Like villagers would just move out. They'd mm. just be like, okay, I'm leaving. And you're like, wait, what? No, I loved you. And they were just gone. Wow. Whereas like now they ask you and you can be like, no. And they're like, okay, cool. I'm not. Oh. So like, you know, there's a, you, you have so much more control in this game over like where everything goes and like who is in your island, who is staying there. And so I think that is like, a huge part of it. And I think that definitely like contributed to its success in quarantine times as well. That is very interesting in terms of what you were saying before of the game becoming more westernized or more or trying to be more palatable to a wider audience in mm-hmm. terms of not being upsetting. And I definitely after reading more <laughs> about the game um, I felt like a rube for g- going into it thinking I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to do whatever I want. And then I had to like <laughs> grind it out, like you said. And then later reading about the game, it was like, oh, like I'm just an impatient little boy. I should have known better. <laughs> you know what I mean? What about my work <laughs> ethic? Yeah. Well, I think it's it's interesting because like one part of me likes, obviously, with the direction that the game has gone in, in terms of giving the player way more control. But a part of me does, like, kind of miss it in, like, the way that you miss, like, in the way that, like, old people miss, like, not having phones. And they're like, ah, stuff was so much more difficult back then, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the game was a lot more difficult in different ways back then. And there was a lot more, like, things in your way than there are now. So, like, for me, someone who's played the game since GameCube, this game, I was like, wow, they're just, like, handing me everything. Like, they're like, here, here's the stuff, here's the stuff, now do it. Whereas, like, before, the point was to get that stuff, if that makes sense. Kind of. Yeah, like, it it was, um, you know, in previous games, you, God, I'm trying to think of, like, a good example of, like, just, like, quality of life stuff. It was just so annoying. Like, you couldn't stack items in your pockets. You had 15 slots. You could hold 15 things in the first game. And you could, and if you held 15 peaches, that was your pockets. You were full. Mm. Whereas now, the, the peaches stack into stacks of 10, and you can hold 40 things in your pocket. Right. And so, like, it's, like, kind of funny because people still complain about it. People are like, oh, I wish my pockets were bigger. And it's like, well, they are. They're a lot bigger, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I always think that's, like, interesting when people are like complaining about like the limitations where like that's kind of like the point of the game is that there are limitations on what you can do and like it's what you do within the limitations like that's where the challenge comes about if that makes sense <laughs> i think that i think this leads into something that i wanted to get into talking a little bit more about what you love about the game and what you think kind of the thematic mm. aspect of the game is and i found mm. this review this was on Slant Magazine and written by a dude named Stephen... All right, Stephen. Scave, I want to say. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name, Stephen. Love Stephen. But here's a quote. He's a great guy. I'm going to read it to you and you tell me what you think about this. Okay, I'm excited. So Stephen says, Animal Crossing has always entrusted players with a unique amount of power among the townsfolk. Though your animal neighbors have their own opinions and interests, only players alone can make bigger decisions like donate to the museum or cut down trees. But in spite of that division, this series has always taken great care to emphasize its beautiful illusion of community rather than give way to some individualistic fantasy. 
It thrives on getting you to consider its largest context. The idea that you belong to this greater whole and any changes will benefit that whole as much as the individual. Through minutes that pass by in real time and activities that change based on month or time of day, the games cultivate a sort of relationship between players and the virtual space they eventually inhabit. We come to know its layout and its occupants, moving around the place and helping to maintain it rather than cutting some chaotic swat through the middle. Especially in video games, such consideration of the world around you is too often a foreign concept. I like that. Yeah, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I think the idea of community versus individual is like really key. And I think a really big part of the development of the game and in terms of its popularity, I think it's interesting that this one is the one that's the most popular because in a lot of ways, I feel like this is the one that does put the most power into the individual and into the individual player where like you can just, you're like, I don't like this cliff, so I'm going to get rid of it and I'm going to make it like how I want it. And it's not necessarily you're like working Mm. with your villagers to do that. You're like, I'm making this for you. Here you go. It's made to your liking, you know? So I think that is definitely like the, the idea of the individual versus the community is a very uh, interesting concept and definitely a very anti like the idea of like prioritizing the community over the individual. I'm not going to say it's an anti-American concept, but it's definitely um, in uh, mm-hmm. what is the word opposition to a lot of the philosophies in America, I think. Yeah. Just in terms of especially like white America and the idea of like rugged individualism. Right. And you think that overall at the end of the day you feel like the balance is still it's tilted in one particular way i think it's i think it's definitely been tilted towards the individual more than the community Mm -hmm. um because i think well i just think it's like it's a lot about making it easier for the player to do things and like Mm -hmm. making it better for the player whereas like in the previous games you could get insulted by the animals now the animals are like always nice to you it's mm-hmm. like, they're always like, oh my God, it's so great to see you. Like, you're so great. You're the best person ever. I love you. You're my best friend. Whereas in the previous one, they're like, wow, you're wearing that? You look ugly. And it's like, <laughs> I miss that wow. kind of. I'm like, I miss them like doing that. And, 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 you know, and like, I have so much control now. Hearing you talk about all this stuff from the previous games, especially makes me, I'm, I'm surprised, but like in a good way to, to find out that these games have been popular around the world and in America with so many people. Like, that's not the kind of um, attitude that I would expect from a game. Like, being honest, Mm. I went into Animal Crossing, and one of the first things I wanted to do as I got frustrated not knowing what to do was beat up some of the villagers, and I couldn't. Ah, And I was like, why can't I beat up these people? Yeah, but that's what I'm used to from video games, especially from, like, you know, free-range games in which you just walk around and you can smack people whenever you feel frustrated. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because a lot of people's frustrations with this game comes out of what the game doesn't let them do. And they're like, how dare this game not let me do this thing? Hmm. Like, it's so annoying. I wish they would just let us do this. Like, people moving out. They're like, I wish it was easier to get people to move out. Like, girl, people literally will come up to you and ask you to move out. Whereas in previous games, like, if you didn't like that hippo that lived down the block, like... You just had to hope and pray that eventually they would move out. I don't know. Like, so- <laughs> it's funny to me playing these games previously because it's so much easier to do stuff in this game mm-hmm. than it is in any of the previous ones. And people are still like, how dare they 
Like, why can't I just walk up to them and say leave and they didn't leave? Right. Like, why can't I have complete <laughs> control over this domain? All of a sudden, everyone's a landlord and they want to have <laughs> to yeah. evict everyone. <laughs> um, Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like a sidebar is just that, like, one of the things in terms of the writing for the game, it's so much nicer, right? Like we talked about, like how people don't call you ugly anymore. It's like also taking a lot of the personality out of the villagers, I think. I was going to ask you that as well, because you talk Mm -hmm. like you develop as you play a a, a relationship to the villagers and then have a relationship to your character or your avatar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that still part of the game? Is that like an important thing? I think that's part of the game, but I think it's definitely like not as big of a part in this game as it was in the previous ones. Um, Like you can still get close with people, quote unquote, like you get friendship points you don't see the points it's all a system behind it's all like a system that happens behind the curtain or whatever so you don't know how many points you have with someone ever but like it's like very transactional it's like Mm. okay i give them a gift and now they like me more Mm. you know so there's definitely that and part of it is that now there's an incentive to do it because you get a photo from them and like ooh, if you get a villager photo that means that you're really good friends with them. That means you worked hard towards this and you got a trophy out of it, right? Interesting. And so I think it's this game in particular has definitely like pushed towards that. And I think the personalities of them have gotten really watered down to a way that like everyone is very agreeable towards you and you can really do like no wrong to them. Like the worst you can do is you can push, if you push them around, like if your character pushes them around for too much, they'll like yell at you and be like stop pushing me around you're being so mean wow and then like you feel a little bad but like i mean in previous games they got angry at you for talking to them too much they're like why are you talking to me shut up go away like that is so fascinating and that because that to me sounds like so much not like the kind of escapism that i would want to go into a video game for you know that sounds very Mm. realistic that makes me think I don't want to put my foot in my mouth or anything, but that makes me feel like <laughs> like the game, something kind of Japanese about the game. I feel like it makes me think of, you know, the movie Spirited Away, the Hayao yeah. Miyazaki movie. I love Spirited Away. Great movie. Yeah. And it's all about how this girl, Chihiro, she goes into the spirit world and the first thing she's got to do is get a job and start, you know, making that money and start paying her debts and become a responsible person. And... I think that's a different kind of of escapist fantasy (laughs) from what we're used to here in America, at least. Yeah. I think it also speaks a lot to the ideals of consumerism in a lot of ways, Mm. where the consumer is the like, you know, in the customer's always right, like that idea, right? Like, I think the way that like your animal, the villagers talk to you, it makes me think like retail employees where like we're, you know, because I worked in retail, right? someone comes in you have to be like hey how's it going i'm so excited to see you you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and if you're not like if someone is god forbid in a bad mood and they work retail someone will all like you will always get someone who's going to be like um can i help like what's wrong with you why are you being so rude and you're like i just didn't say hello like can you like i'm having a shitty day like give me a break right where like they they expect them to always be nice to them Mm -hmm. And, like, we expect, and we as, and, like, it's interesting because, like, people as players then expect their villagers to always be nice to them. And even in this game, sometimes they will say things that are like, wow, you're talking to me a lot today. 
they're like, how dare this person? Like, I hate this person. Get them off my island. <laughs> and it's like so, I'm like, oh, my God. These people just want everything handed to them on a silver platter. <laughs> what would you it's do? It's insane. What would you do if it is revealed uh, by Nintendo that all the villagers were having meetings among each other talking shit about the, the, <laughs> the players? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Like... Because like, uh, some of these people are little tyrants. <laughs> some of these players are little tyrants. And I think it's also another thing about it is with the personalities being taken like more and more out of these characters, people only care about the characters for how they look now. Mm, wow. Like people will only look for villagers if you have like a theme for your island, like a cottage core theme, quote unquote. People will only get villagers if they fit the cottage core aesthetic or wow. if their house fits into the aesthetic. It's all about the look because their personalities, there's eight personality types. And because they haven't written enough like dialogue, you really, it's like you can have, I've had the same conversation with like four different villagers because they've all been the same personality type. So I've heard the same things This is... you know, from them. This is crazy. This is like revealing a whole underbelly under this like beautiful <laughs> idyllic game. Truly. Because I I read about this um I don't know if this is very relevant but someone was in the review actually Steven from the review that I quoted before. It's good old Steven. He was talking about these islands that you can like basically get and then get all the resources out of the islands. Like, you just strip mine these islands and then leave. Is that true? How does that work? Yes. It's 100%. It's 100% a thing. You like go, you get these things, you ha you get nook miles for doing tasks around your island, just for like doing random stuff. And then you get nook miles, you exchange them for a nook mile ticket, and you go to a random island. And on this island, there's some trees, there's some fruit, there's fish. If you have like an open villager spot, there'll be a random villager there as well. And you can just go there, chop down all the trees to get the wood, pick all the weeds, pick all the flowers, fish all these things, get all the seashells off the beach, and then just like leave and never go back. Wow. You never have to like, you never go to the island ever again. There's no consequences. You can just, you can literally turn around and be like, okay, I have another Nook Mile ticket. Take me to the next one. Okay. So at this point, we're <laughs> making this game sound like a colonialist um <laughs> We're making it sound like a monstrosity, but you love this game because you play it all the time and you have your videos. So why don't we go into you telling me a little bit more about like what is <laughs> what great like about, about it. it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think okay. So yeah, and it's interesting because I've had these things that we're all talking that we're talking about the you know the pos like the colonialist elements of that. They're all part of it, and it's all things that I definitely think about when I'm playing this game. And like, I definitely have like had the thing of like, oh my god, we're just like strip mining these islands, um, and like, oh my god, like we're I'm basically just like being the god like god here and like making these cliffs wherever I want them. But I think it's like these are all the implications and following the logic of the game in like maybe a way that the creators didn't intend for you to follow the logic, right? Hmm. What really the game is about is about creation. It's about creating things, at least for me. The way I play it is very much about, like, I like creating things that look cool. Like, I like, may I, like, the, the limitations on it create these challenges for me. Like, okay, I can only put things on this square, on this square grid system. I can only put them this way. I can't make them diagonal. I can't make them this way. Like, they can only go these certain ways. 
So here are all these restrictions that I have. I only have these items, whatever. And now I'm going to try and make something really cool. I'm going to try and make, you know, with this most recent island, I was like, my thing was like, I want to find a way to tell a story. How can I tell a story through animal through my animal crossing island and make like an island about and it's funny because it was about like consumerism like the the idea that i had behind it was about like someone taking all the resources from an island and like dealing with like in the imperialist like implications of all this kind of stuff Uh um so like it's funny because i was like still thinking about those but the idea is like okay here's a challenge and i'm gonna try and create something within these restrictions that's really exciting to me Mm -hmm. and like this makes sense right because i'm a playwright like you know, you and I both like writing and creating art and things like that. It's like, I guess I have a challenge. Here are these limitations. It's like if someone giving you a prompt of like, okay, you need to write a 10 minute scene. You have to use an apple, the color red. Someone has to say this line, go. Like that's my favorite kind of challenges in terms of writing and prompts. Mm. So like, that's kind of what this feels like. It, it feels like that as well, where it's like, You can only use three levels. You can only put a river like this. You can only do it like this. These are the items you have. And what makes it so exciting to see these villages that's like a fucking city, a factory all over the place. And like this crazy like, oh my God, looks like a city street. It's like they worked so well with the systems that are already in the game to create this thing. And it's like they had all these restrictions. You know that you have all the same restrictions as them. And they still made this incredible looking thing. Mm -hmm. Like that is what is so exciting to me about it. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely an artistry to it. After Mm -hmm. playing 20 minutes of the game and being unable (laughs) to do anything, I think even more so that there is an artistry to creating all these beautiful islands. It seems to me... Let's see what DSA member EJ Meehan thinks about this. But um, <laughs> it seems to me that what's happening here is that the game and the idea of the creativity is a little bit being bogged down by the capitalism of it all, by the introduction of this, you know, the limitations of the money money system and the, you know, mm-hmm. resource, you know, finite resources and that kind of thing. Um, but would the game work without those things? I actually don't think it would. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's the restrictions that are placed on you. It's not necessarily just restrictions about materials. Also, it's like also just like about the mechanics. Like, you know, I mentioned the grid system. You have this grid. You can only place a thing on one of these like kind of blocks. Right. So like that is what your restriction is. So it's like, how many things can I fit into this thing? It's kind of like a puzzle in that way. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the... The game only has meaning because of what you can't do. Like the game only, you only accomplish something because you can't do other things. Hmm. So there are still challenges. And I think that is more, I don't know that that even is necessarily like talking about like a capitalism kind of thing. I think it's more just like a game design thing. You need to like, to make a game that works, you need to not let people do things because it's funny because Sajda, your the guest last episode, right, and famously your wife, mm-hmm. um, when she played this game, I remember because I remember telling her like, "You need to play this game; it's so much fun." And she's and her telling me like, "It was too much possibility. Yeah. I had too much possibility, and it was like overwhelming." And like that is such a thing, right? Like, 
when it's when there are just like no possibility like no restraints on what you can do it's almost like too much yeah and it's like it's almost in that way like even more difficult you're like what what am i supposed to do yeah (laughs) that was a little bit of what happened to me just going into it this time i mean it was a combination of too many possibilities and being able to just Mm -hmm. roam around do whatever but also not being able to do much you know whenever right. i encounter. and not knowing what you're like what am i supposed to be doing right now yeah exactly exactly that was the biggest thing um yeah but that's very well said yeah and i think it like it, it just be it, it has become more player driven in terms of objective like because now the things like the things i'm trying to do in the game now are not things that the animal crossing game developers are like and now you'll try to do this like this isn't like the new challenge that they've set up for me. They've just given me a they've given me a Lego set. They've given me a sandbox, and now I'm just like playing in it. Yeah, I don't think they were expecting you to be creating these stories about uh, islands, resources, and and horror short films. <laughs> <laughs> totally, no, I don't think they were expecting that. And it's actually interesting because I was thinking back about like the history of the game, you know, before we started having this conversation. And the idea of creating your own island, I think, was something that was kind of an unintended consequence of, like, some of the things that they gave us. Like, they realized that people, like, you could always put down trees and flowers and things around your town. But, like, that was really it, you know. And you could put, like, a signpost. Like, you could put, a si- you could put like, a, a custom design pattern onto, like, a sign. <laughs> and, like, uh, so you could do those things. And then, like, I think in Wild World, which was the second game on the DS, you could put things down in tiles. And you could, like, and that was when you started to see people, like, recreating the original Zelda NES game Mm. using the custom tiles on the ground. And, and like, when you first saw that, you're like, whoa, like, you can do that in Animal Crossing? What? And, like, with each game, they've progressively, like, leaned more and more into that. Because I don't think it was that... Because, you know, we were talking about what the thesis statement of the game was at the beginning. It's about moving to a new world and, like, becoming, integrating yourself into a new community. But the things that people were really responding well to were the acts of creation that you could do within that world. Mm -hmm. And so it became, it, like, was kind of, like, the, a secondary thing that I don't think the developers maybe even intended for it to become the reason. But they paid attention to how people were playing the game and they developed it for them in that way. Right. I think is interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. What would you say as a way of closing on on Animal Crossing? What would you say to someone who's trying to get into the game or who has never played it, but maybe this conversation has spiked their curiosity? Mm. Um, I think I would say go into it with an open mind, for one thing. You know, um, hmm, what would I say? I think I would say, like, you know, get ready to have to work for it. You know, there is a grind element to it. You, It's not just going to be given to you on a silver platter. If you want to do a game where you can just, like, build whatever house you want, you can play The Sims and just use, like, the motherload chat, like, code. <laughs> but, um, you know, but the game itself is, like, it's the limitations that give meaning to it in a lot of ways. And also, like, there's no shame in just playing the game however you want. <laughs> also like you can get around the limitations and like that's fine if you do that yeah like i was talking about time traveling actually before, earlier and that's definitely like a limit like the time you know i have to wait till tomorrow to get this bridge built and i'm like now i'm part of it is because i'm like now creating content for youtube but 
even before that, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to time travel to tomorrow and um, <laughs> it's going to be tomorrow. And like, great, the bridge is built. Now I can keep going. So like getting around the limitations sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. And I think, and also just look up guides, just look up guides, look up guides. What I would tell them yeah. is watch <laughs> the EJ plays videos on YouTube. Oh yeah. That's another, you're better at plugging this than I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I should have said, well, on EJ plays, but yeah, actually YouTube does have a lot of great resources just for like starting out. Mm -hmm. And so why don't you tell uh, the, the kids listening where they can find you and, and <laughs> everything about you and EJ plays and everything else yeah so all the gaming stuff that i do is under the, the moniker ej plays on youtube it's ej plays it's a little orange icon i have like 800 followers or subscribers or something like that right now um Great. so it's it's not a huge thing but like you'll see that's me um and then on instagram i'm ej plays with two s's um and then in life i'm pateric dactyl on all other social media as a person um but yeah, if you're interested in the Animal Crossing stuff, it's EJ Plays. Yeah, I will vouch for it. I, like, you you know, at this point, if you've been listening, I can't play Animal Crossing for shit, but I enjoy <laughs> watching the videos. They're a lot of fun. My hope is that they're, like, entertaining even if you don't play it because it's really, you're not necessarily watching for the Animal Crossing. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, I'm going to see what this guy makes. And, like, also, hopefully I'm entertaining while i do it yeah you know listen i was the young cousin who wouldn't get the controller you know what i mean everyone was playing video games i was just sitting on the side watching them play like, wow that's great so i know yeah i know how it is i know how it is when they hand you the controller and it's not plugged in and they tell you that it's plugged in and you know that it's not that's mean <laughs> you know that never happened to me but i definitely was like watching my sister play a lot of games it's kind of fun. I like watching people play video games. I think it's really interesting. I like watching you <laughs> play in video games. Ah, that's good. I wouldn't have an audience if you didn't. <laughs> and that's our show. Thanks again to EJ Meehan for coming on as a guest. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us find more listeners. But more importantly, why don't you tell someone about it? Do you know someone who's really into Animal Crossing? Or do you know someone who's the kind of person who you know would be really into Animal Crossing if they only gave it a try? Why don't you let them know this podcast exists? After all, word of mouth is the best way to support an independent creative endeavor such as this one. Thanks again for listening, and make sure to come back next week when we'll be talking about one of the biggest movies in the history of Japanese animation. Your name. Oh, and one more thing. You'll want to stick around after the music is done, especially if you're a fan of the Food Network. Well, a man feels proud to give his woman what she's longing for And I kinda like the streets of Baltimore So, EJ, we've known each other for only a couple of years, actually, but I remember the first thing I learned about you that made me interested in you is the fact that you wrote a play titled Beat Bobby Flay. 
What was that about? Uh, so Beat Bobby Flay is a post-apocalyptic comedy drama. I don't know. Um, <laughs> about a world after uh, a atomic, after, what is it? A nuclear holocaust? Is that what they call it? Um, yeah. yeah, nuclear Armageddon, essentially. Um, and the only, the best show on TV is Beat Bobby Flay, a competition where you people go on to try and beat Bobby Flay making a signature dish. And if they win, they get a million dollars. And if they lose, they die. And it's about a girl dealing with the consequences of her mother's actions in that world, featuring Mm -hmm. such people as Ina Garten, uh, Bobby Flay, Alex (laughs) Garnaschelli, and other Food Network personalities. Of course. (laughs) It is a wild and very good play. Um, So tell me about your love for the Food Network. I mean, okay. It just, I don't know, it started in high school. Like, I just, it, when I was in high school, a lot of my friends, like, like one of my friends, Christine, uh, Christina, yeah, Christina, one of my friends, Christina, was um, really into Food Network, and she, like, we just watched it one day, and I was just, like, hooked, like, something about it is just, like, so fun, like, watching someone just, like, cook and talk to you, like, watching Ina Garten in her, like, perfect little Hamptons home, like making things for Jeffrey and all of like her gay friends. It's just so great. <laughs> I just love watching it. Do you also, remember, there's like Do you remember what the show was that, that you were watching that I think it was either like it was either like Giada de Laurentis or Ina Garten. One of those two was like the first ones that we watched. But from then on it was just like we would watch all of them. And then there was like competition shows. There's this one called Chopped that I love. Mm-hmm. Um on and I, I mean, like my parents watch Chopped every week to this day. Like I introduce them to it, and they love it. So like it's funny because it's become like this whole thing. I and, love Chopped, but it's so. I good. feel like it's it's a great show. I feel like there are some people who don't love um, that are kind of like Food Network purists who don't like the how many competition shows they have mm. now. That they want to go back to the days when it was just. Showing you how to cook. It's just something. Julia Child, you know, yeah. showing you how to cook a chicken. But you don't feel that way. You like you like all of it. I like so. I so, listen. I like those shows. Do I go out of my way now to watch them? No, but I like them and I think they're fun. I watch them now on YouTube. Actually, is really like the the late Bon Appetit. Actually, was a good a fun little um because they don't make videos anymore. So you mean the right? So you mean the, the the shows that are about cooking and about showing you how to cook? That's what you don't watch in the on the Food Network. Not anymore. really anymore. It's like, like well, I do sometimes when I'm home. I also just don't have cable anymore. That's part of it, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Of course. Like, but like it, it was a good thing when I'm when I'm home in Maryland, actually visiting my parents. I will watch them like cooking. I like them. It's just like, it's like a very relaxing, chill thing to do. I don't actually like watch it and like learn things necessarily. I just watch it. It's like fun to watch them cook and talk and be people. I am a sort of late comer to the Food Network because we didn't have it in Peru, Mm. at least not in the same form that it's here. Some of the shows were available in other channels, but they were not in the same place. They were like scattered around. So Wait, which shows? I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure there was like Guy Fieri was shown somewhere, you know, and like and I'm pretty sure Chopped was shown in, in yes. some channel as well. Love Chopped. But what I discovered when I came to America is that the Food Network is the best 
channel to have on when you're at your parents' house or like at a family yes. event, like Thanksgiving at <laughs> Sajda's family's <laughs> house. I when Food Network is on on a TV, that's the best. You I, know, like I just I can just sit there and watch Food Network one after the other. It's great. It's like yeah, it's like really like easy to consume television. That's just like really just like chill out to watch. It's like a vibe. It is a vibe. It yeah, and it's um. Yeah, you don't have to get too invested, and in, mm-hmm. you know it's not like watching Law and Order or something. You don't no. have to keep track of the, of the darkness <laughs> and the, and the cases. You just just watching some people cook and it's watch fun. Chops, and... Yeah, they watch, watch them chop some onions, throw it in a blender. You know. Yeah. I don't know why they're we blending also... onions in this scenario, but you know, it's good. Yeah, I think it also I, what I think it's br- brilliant about Chopped is that they have the kind of top chef type of challenge, but it's over in one episode so you can oh, you can perfect i love perfect top chef self-contained little like bites of top chef is what it is yeah because i love a reality competition show that keeps going and the drama develops but when you're at your you know when you're a casual watcher mm-hmm. viewer you just want to watch a couple episodes and call it a day yeah and i think also the other thing that appeals to me about chopped is that the it's much more about like the the conflict in the show doesn't derive from the people sparring with each other necessarily. It's about the people sparring with the task they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's really just about like, okay, here it's like the person versus the basket of ingredients, not necessarily the person versus each other, even though they're like competing against each other. They're not just like, they're not like shouting at each other and like bitching each other out and like having like traditional reality television fights. Totally. Which is like it's nice. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah. Although I do the... love those shows. Yeah. I mean me too, me too. I, I do like those shows. But yeah, but it's nice. Something's nice about the eternal struggle of, you know, man versus ice cream machine that... maker. <laughs> man versus getting to the one ice cream machine. Yeah. In the chopped Which, kitchen. If you are planning here's a piece of advice to anyone who's listening who's planning to go on chopped, don't make ice cream. Don't make ice cream. Also don't make French toast or bread pudding. Don't make any of those three desserts. They're made all the time. But learn how to make a couple desserts before you go. You don't want to be one of those people who get fucked up in the dessert round because they can't make a dessert. But also don't try to bake because in the most most time, baking doesn't really work. What can you even do for a dessert? I don't know. Some people do and it works, but I don't even know what I would do. Some people people make like shortcakes. I feel like if you make like a cookie that takes like 10 minutes to bake, perfect, great. But like you can't be making a cake. <laughs> yeah, it has to be something small that you yes. can bake really quickly. You're right. Yeah, that's the trick. Something really quick or like fruit based, like a uh, mm. uh, like a fruit with like a meringue thing. Perfect. There you go. Dessert. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite uh, Food Network shows? So Ina Garten, Barefoot Contessa, is like honestly top of the line. Like that's like my favorite one. I will always go back to her just because okay. she's so, she's so freaking weird and funny. It's like okay. I think it's very um, Sex and the City. Like I love watching these affluent white women like walk around their house. Like I love watching this affluent white woman like walk around her house in the Hamptons. It's great. Um, so Ina Garten, I like Giada De Laurentiis, even though she's kind of she's also really kooky. She like says Italian things really funny. It's great. Um, where's some? Oh my gosh, uh, Nigella Lawson. She's from the UK. 
She actually had a moment recently because she's the woman on Twitter that was like, the microwave. <laughs> she called the microwave the microwave, which is just like her fuck. It was just her fucking around. But like, it was iconic. Um. Yeah. What is the, like I said, I have I, some of the older shows I'm not so familiar with, but there's one YouTube video that is like a super cut of this woman who's like <laughs> drinking all the time. The Sandra... God, I can't remember her last name. It's Sandra something. She's like pouring the like one shot of vodka and it's like, yeah, that woman (laughs) made a cocktail every freaking episode. She was, it was always like, I'm going to cook this dinner and now I'm making a cocktail. I'm going to drink now. Even in high school, we were like, this woman drinks a lot. (laughs) She's always drinking. Um, Gotta, yeah. She loves to drink. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I was going to talk about some of my favorite, but I was also going to ask what are some of your least favorites. And I got to say, because you brought this up, I want you to explain Ina Garden to me a little bit. Because to me, <gasps> she is, you say she's top of the line, and to me, she's like the first one to get the boot if no! I have to clean a house. <laughs> I love Ina Garden. Uh, she's just like, I don't know, I feel like she's a little tongue in cheek. And she's like, it's just like, I don't know. It's the same th- reason that we like watching rich people. Like, it's just like, ooh. Like, her just being like, get good vanilla. It's like, what? <laughs> Fuck you. Like, I'm sitting there eating my, like, cup of noodles, like, watching her, like, make this fucking chicken. And I don't know. It's just like, she's so funny. She's, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek about it. She's just like, hey, it's me. Ina Garten. <laughs> hey, welcome to my kitchen. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe- Something about her is just so charming. Maybe I need to read to to watch it with new eyes because I've always thought that she is not very charismatic to me. She, I always feel like, what's this woman doing on TV? She's just like some regular person. Like, where's the, you know? But maybe not. Maybe there's like, maybe she's making me work for it a little bit. Like, you I know, think she's really down to stuff. earth in a great way. Like, she's not very showy. She's, she's not. like, yeah. So this is what I do, and here I'm gonna do this. I use some good vanilla, you know. Like she does that thing. It's like very down to earth and chill. And like mm-hmm. kind of funny. Yeah. Did you see her margarita video? No. She was but making... I'm gonna look it up after. Oh, it it's is. incredible. She was on Instagram, it was at the beginning of pandemic. She made a margarita and she pours it into this giant glass. And she's like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate that. I appreciate the down to earthness and the simplicity of it. Yeah. One show that I do love um is Good Eats. With Elton Brown, yes. Although which Elton is a Brown great... apparently is not that good. Oh really? Yeah, I didn't know this. Like super conservative. Oh really? I know. I but I also this. love Good Eats. Good Eats is great. Um, but it's a good show. But but I feel like the thing that I love the least about Good Eats is when they do the too recipes. many. <laughs> what the recipes? No, I love the recipes. What I don't love is like when they do too many sketches. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm. they go a little too far in their sketches yeah he definitely like it's definitely like it's like sketch comedy with food with documentary yeah it's like an interesting mishmash i do like good eats though good eats has definitely no, i been... love good eats i can't believe i didn't say that as one of my favorite ones one of the ones that i hate though is um i hate anything with guy fieri in it sorry i think he's a meme but i just i don't like him um i don't like brunching with bobby i don't like bobby flay i really bobby actually flay. don't like him <laughs> 
I think that I think that the genius of Beat Bobby Flay, the show and the play, is that you everybody hates him. Bobby Flay, <laughs> so you want to see him lose. So the idea that of beating like Bobby totally Flay. Yeah. It's very appealing. It's really like Bobby Flay truly is someone that like no one likes and he's like, I'm gonna make a career out of not being liked. Yeah. And Good his, for him. but the thing is, is that then he has the shows like brunching with Bobby where he like, do I really wanna watch this guy like make food in his kitchen? No. No. I wanna see him bite the dust. Yeah, I wanna watch him get the culinary snot kicked out of him by some expert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's what I wanna watch. Speaking of which, I do love Iron Chef America, and mm. they had Iron Chef Gauntlet, which I don't think they've done in a, in a few years. In a while, yeah. But they did, which was kind of to get the new a new Iron Chef out of the competition, yeah. which I thought was great. I like that too. I also like the people who won. They like pretty much every time the person who won, because I think Alex Garnaschelli won, and I love Alex Garnaschelli. <laughs> she featured in my show, so you know her, yeah. and I love her. <laughs> Yeah, Garnishelli is definitely. She's the best. She's the best chop judge, hands down. Oh, she's a great chop judge. Yes, she's great at, as a judge and chopped. And what's the other guy? The guy that Sajjan and I always talk about is Simon Majumdar. Even though sometimes he is not the best judge, but I do love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I like him too. Oh my god, Jeffrey Zakarian too is like fine, whatever. But I went to his restaurant when I graduated from college okay. like we went to that and he was there and oh, wow. it was really funny because then my dad apparently when i was in the bathroom was like asking the waiter he's like hey is jeffrey here like can you ask him to come over my son just graduated from college <laughs> and i come back and like the waiter comes over he's like yeah so he's like at like a dinner so he can't come over but like here's his cookbook and they gave me a signed copy of his cookbook what i've That's never great. cooked anything from it but i have it on my shelf that's just great to have. I know. It's like a great story. It made Jeffrey Zakarian one of my favorites because I had a story associated with him, not necessarily because I like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do like Jeffrey Zakarian uh, quite a bit. Morimoto I'm obsessed with. Masaharu yes. Morimoto. He's um, so good. Yeah. He's just good. Like, I I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Iron Chef where he's lost. Like, I, I know there are episodes where he's lost. I just episodes. haven't seen them. It, they're so rare that you they don't are, even remember yeah. them. They never get shown. And they're usually like, he loses by like a hair. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel like he lost. Yeah. It's like it was just barely eked out. You know who actually is like one of the worst, statistically one of the worst um, Iron Chefs? You're going to like this one. Bobby Flay. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But he was the first one, the first American Iron Chef. Yeah, he ex- was. But he's been he's been eclipsed by some of the oh, others. Yeah. Well, he he's just he has like the worst win ratio. I think like he he's lost the most um, challenges. That's his whole vibe nowadays. Yeah, he's just great at but, losing. But but, I, but we love it. I love to see him lose. Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love to see Bobby Flay lose. <laughs> great. Was someone new him? Some like I I was like I'm like two degrees of separation away from him and we were almost trying to get him to actually there's a monologue from him at the end of the play. It's the only time he speaks in the play, right? We tried to get a record we tried to like get him to do the recording. Did you get anywhere close with that? No. No. <laughs> but like if it ever comes back, I'm do I want to get him to do it. Cause he lives in New York. Like we could just walk up to him and be like, Hey buddy. But I also feel like that's a great way to get sued. 